the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Welcome to the El Conservador Show with George Rodriguez, sponsored by Border Hawk News. On August 28th, 2021, this program has been pre-recorded. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, our good friend, um, Brandon Judd, the president of the National Border Patrol Council. I wanted to reach out to him because he has... Uh, uh, well, we want to find out what uh, this talk is about the morale of the uh, uh, Border Patrol agents. We here on the southwest border on, uh, in, in, uh, in Texas know of what the Border Patrol agents are facing because uh, we're, we're seeing it firsthand. Uh, Brandon, uh, how, how are the uh, Border Patrol agents holding up in this uh, insanity, this what we call as an invasion? Yeah, in my 24-year career, I've, I've never seen morale lower than it is currently. Uh, when you when you consider that Border Patrol agents, uh, you know, they, they entered into this career because they want to protect the American public. And when we're stuck uh, doing more of a humanitarian job, which, which is fine, we don't mind doing a humanitarian job. That just shouldn't be our primary mission. But when all we're doing is a humanitarian job, when we're sitting in processing or, or uh, in, a, in a detention facility, which, again, was never supposed to be our job, um, morale is going to go down, especially when we know that the vast majority of people that are coming into the United States are either going to be released or they're getting away. And so we're, we really don't feel like we're protecting the country at all. We don't feel like we're serving um, our fellow United States citizens um, the way we were supposed to. So it, morale is just way, way down, and agents are really wondering why they put on a uniform and come, come to work on a daily basis. It, it just It's that bad. Uh, you know, I have been around Border Patrol agents all my life. I mean, I remember when I was uh, two, three, four years old, five years old, that, um, you know, uh, when we'd go visit our our relatives in Laredo, we'd come back, and, of course, you know, we would stop at the Border Patrol checkpoint. Uh, my parents would talk to the agents, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, I worked uh, in the Reagan administration in the old INS, the immigration, and I was around a lot of Border Patrol agents. What I saw last week, and I've got to share this with you, what I saw last week while I was down uh, in, near Laredo, I saw some Border Patrol agents uh, waving some people out of the water, helping them across, uh, and with a very, very nervous smile on their faces. You know, I, I tried to talk to them. They couldn't talk, obviously. But they had, I mean, it was it was discernible that, that, that uh, they weren't comfortable in their current uh, roles. Uh, what do you hear from them? No, I, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, and part of the reason why we're really not very comfortable in what we're doing is, is we know that we're facilitating the the huge money that these cartels are making when when we take people into custody and there is no consequence for violating the laws, then the cartels are able to go into countries like China. Um, even countries in the Middle East, um, the African nations, South America, they're able to go throughout the world and they're able to advertise their products or services and they're able to get people to put their, the, themselves in their hands. They're able to generate this profit and they're doing it because of policies here in the United States. If there's no consequence for violating laws, people are going to continue to break them. And if if there's no consequence, then we just don't have a safe 
secure homeland. We don't have safe communities. And, and that's what law enforcement agents sign up for. That's what law enforcement officers sign up for. They want the public to be safe. We want rule and order because that's what gives us the safety and security that, that all Americans expect. And we're just not seeing it today in the United States. And, and it's all driven by policy. And policy is what is going to determine the morale in any agency, not just the Border Patrol, but any agency. But the Border Patrol specifically, because of all of the political aspects that go along with immigration, um, the Border Patrol's policies are just so horrible right now because this administration is pandering to the far left. And as long as they pander to the far left, there's not going to be consequences um, for violating our laws. And those consequences are going to continue to generate billions of dollars of revenue for criminal organizations. You know, uh, this this situation of the far left's uh, uh, agenda, I remember, you know, uh, on several occasions they have uh, claimed, in fact, uh, I believe uh, Representative Cory Bush from, from uh, Missouri recently said it again, the idea of uh, abolishing uh, the Border Patrol and ICE, and um, it seems like they've done it without having to abolish them. No, they, Exactly. You can minimize what any agency is going to do if you pass policies or if you enact policies um, that are going to limit uh, the enforcement uh, uh, programs, operations that any organization does. So, I mean, look at Minneapolis, Minnesota. They just passed uh, their city council just enacted a policy that their officers cannot pull people over for what they consider minor traffic violations. Um, And that includes not registering your vehicle. So why would anybody in Minneapolis pay those um, taxes to register your vehicle if you're not going to be pulled over for it? So now the revenue is going to go down. Now people are going to be violating the laws, the traffic laws. Traffic is going to get backed up, congested. All of those different things are going to happen when you uh, try to legislate through policy or tie law enforcement's hands with policy, and that's exactly what we're seeing today. Let me ask you this last question because, um, you know, we have heard uh, regarding the uh, shooting from across the border at agents as well as uh, attacks. In fact, uh, I was talking to one of the uh, sheriffs recently from one of the border communities, and he was telling me he had to come to the aid of a, of, of a couple of um, uh, Border Patrol agents who had uh, uh, gotten into a situation where the uh, aliens were that were being smuggled or were smuggling themselves in uh, turned on them. They were not going to go quietly, so to speak. Uh, have, has, uh, inst- have instances or incidents of uh, violence against Border Patrol agents gone up? Well, if you look at the, the, the shootings that we've had across um, from Mexico into the United States, those have been very, very rare. Again, I'm, I'm going to rely on 24 years of experience. Um, in, in 24 years, I have I have seen maybe two or three, and we have just had a couple in in a few weeks. Um, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing criminals being emboldened. Um, criminals know that they're not going to be held accountable for the, the crimes that they commit. And as long as they know that they're not going to be um, held accountable, they're going to keep raising the ante. They're going to keep pushing the envelope until somebody says stop, until somebody actually does something, until there are actually consequences. But as long as we don't have the consequences, they're going to continue to go up and escalate the violence, and we can we can expect to continue to see this until somebody says we're going to start enforcing our laws. But yeah. until then, yeah, it's it's going to get worse. It is. I mean, it's it, it it you know it's it's just like spare the rod, spoil the child, and and right now we're sparing all the rods and spoiling all the children it's it's pretty much that's exactly that is exactly what's happening it's it's sad anything else you'd like to add before we let you go buddy no i think you covered it we want to thank you and we certainly continue to um send out our prayers to uh for all of the agents who are out there uh well risking their lives not only physical but physically but i mean uh, you know uh, the diseases as well uh how many of them have come down with uh with uh covid 
We're, we're getting new ones every day. We just had another agent uh, that passed away. Uh, his funeral was was this week, this last weekend. Um, we you know we have agents that are out on a very regular basis because of COVID. Whether or not um, they have COVID or they've been exposed to COVID, which of course um, exposures then these agents then take it back into their communities, um, to their homes. Uh, you know, uh, again, when you look at the astronomical numbers of people that we're dealing with compared to the past, um, you really have to ask yourself, does this administration truly care about the pandemic? And, you know, by action, I would say no. They, they can they can give lip service, to, lip service to it as much as they want, but their actions clearly show that they really don't care about this pandemic. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. That is, I mean, that that's, it is very, very obvious on that aspect of it. Brandon, thank you ta- for, uh, for taking time to be with us again, as usual. Uh, our prayers go out to uh, all of the uh, Border Patrol agents. We've been speaking with our good friend uh, Brandon Judd, president of the uh, of the National Border Patrol Council. Brandon, take care and tell our tell the, our agents uh, to, that we're behind us. I will do that. And George, always good to speak with you. Have a good day. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, KLUP nine thirty AM radio, the answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Dot news. The following interview was recorded on August 25th, 2021. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio here in San Antonio. And we've got a new guest with us, Mr. Isaac Reese, and he is a citizen journalist in Eagle Pass, Texas. And as we have chatted before, my friends, um, we know that uh, there are uh, establishments all over the place. There's a national establishment, there are state establishments, and there are lots of local small city establishments. These folks, uh, all they do is watch out for their own benefit. Uh, They uh, control the power, they control the politics and and the economy. And in many cases, they even control the, um, the communication, the local communication. We are chatting with Isaac because he is facing a situation in Eagle Pass uh, where an elected official, uh, a state elected official, has, has, uh, law, has uh, filed a lawsuit against him uh, for being a citizen uh, journalist. Isaac Welcome to the show. Tell us what's happening. What has happened? How did this situation come about of the lawsuit, and what did you do wrong? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for, for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, reaching out and, and wanting to hear our story so we can get it out there. Um, first of all, I, I mean, I, I live in the city of Eagle Pass. I have, I have uh, you know, the, most of my life, uh, except for whenever I went to go for school. And... Um, I, I'm, I'm, I used to be involved with uh, working with uh, public service uh, with the city of Eagle Pass, with Maverick County, and also with the city of Del Rio, so, so real near and dear in the area. And uh, what's happening uh, since then was that uh, I started seeing when I was working with the county uh, a degree of uh, corruption and a degree of just bad business, I guess if you want to call it. So that that, that uh, back in 2019, that's when I got out and I tried to uh, make my own businesses. I am a brand consultant as well, and um, I created by seeing, uh, I guess, an opportunity. The the rising Texan news media, which is a news media that's supposed to you know bring out the truth, and and the reason why I say that is that uh, as you mentioned before, a local establishment. That's exactly what we have right now, where news media that is uh, uh, payroll news media as I, I call them are paid by you know the county or politicians to give uh, 
uh, favored stories about them or, or look make them uh, look into the light while they're actually doing you know uh, things in the background that that maybe uh, the not so politically savvy citizen can notice. So when I first started this, uh, like I said, it, it was just a, a thing to keep uh, our elected officials, local and and state uh, and congressional, you know, uh, keep the people informed about what's going on. Now, just recently, I mean, I I, I got I did get uh, sued by uh, a, a state representative, uh, House District seventy four, Eriberto Morales, by his uh, law firm Langley and Benack. Now, I have been covering uh, Eddie. I've known him. He's even been on the show in the podcast. Uh, there were a few concerns, not just uh, me seeing politics from the outside looking in, but also a lot of residents and the people that were affected by some of the, the bills that he was submitting at the state level were going to have a major impact on people living in, in Maverick County and working in Maverick County, mainly elected officials. Uh, the first one was that uh, he wanted to create a ma- uh, uh, a solo standing Maverick County uh, District Attorney's Office. Now he never spoke with the district attorney, the the, uh, Maverick, the local district attorney, which is the 293rd District Attorney uh, Roberto Serna, and we had Mr. Serna on our show as well, and let he let us know that he never was spoken to or consulted or asked for any input on that you know bill being submitted. So that kind of uh, got everybody's eyes like, well, why would you do that? And, uh, you know, time passed by, and then all of a sudden you, you get a second one. Just recently, he submitted uh, another bill uh, for Maverick County to create uh, local magistrates uh, that's going to serve at the pleasure of Maverick County Commissioner's Court. Now, the, the problem with that is that we do have elected officials that are justice of the peace that handle the magistrating, uh, you know, that have the magistrating powers. Thus, if you're adding this, not only are you adding, you know, ta- uh, uh, a number for the taxpayers to, to pay, but you're also overriding the magistrates that the people elect, uh, essentially giving more power to a majority and commissioner's court. So we, we, we brought that up about uh, Eddie Morales. Now, these, t- these two things that we brought up about the bills that he submitted that affected elected officials locally was not mentioned by any other news media, uh, local news media. And, and that seems like a concern to me because it seems like a very relevant uh, topic, especially when your you know, state representative is doing moves like submitting bills that may hurt people uh, local, especially local officials that the people voted for, you know. So, uh, what we got uh, the reason why we got sued was because we were, uh, as always, we received concerns from the community, and when we received concerns from the community, we 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 you know we filter them and we try to uh, investigate as much as we can and look into things. One of the ones that we received were the property taxes of uh, uh, the state representative, uh, the state representatives, uh, one of his businesses, which is uh, uh, Piedras Negras uh, Tortilla Factory. So whenever we we shared and we looked into this information, we looked on the website, which is the Maverick County Appraisal District. The Maverick County Appraisal District only had uh, it only showed a certain amount of taxes being paid uh, uh, for certain years. Um, and that was uh, towards the county and I think the hospital district. So basically what I, what I was asking, this, and this is verbatim, can anyone explain to me why Piedras Negras Tortilla Factory does not pay taxes in the city and school district? Is there something other businesses, other business owners can tap into, like our city attorney and state rep? Now, that's another thing I do want to mention is that the state rep is also uh, the city attorney. So uh, that's a whole nother uh, conflict of interest that I think that needs to be addressed possibly with uh, uh, the, the state attorney general, uh, Ken Paxson. But uh, as far as being uh, uh, this lawsuit, that, that's, what, that's, that's literally what's listed here that we're being sued for, um, for those questions that we asked. And uh, he's claiming that there was, uh, you know, he sent us an email 
we respond we we didn't respond back to him but uh what he wanted us to to put is it uh a very strong message about us being uh us not completing with our journalistic integrity uh that i failed in my behalf you know pretty much uh embarrassing statements that nobody would like to say about themselves and especially when we provided the information on that same post from the Maverick County Appraisal District, which brought up the questions, which is why we asked the questions. So our, our stance is that, I mean, it was not our fault that the information was not complete. We went on what the Maverick County Appraisal District had available at the time. Um, now he's trying to sue us under LaBelle and defamation and uh, business disparagement when, you know, we didn't mention him personally. We just mentioned him as uh, as our, our state rep and any possible benefits that we can get for other business owners, as I am a business owner myself. Now he uh, is suing us for uh, you know emotional distress, uh, anxiety that he suffered, uh, irreparable injury to his reputation, livelihood, and uh, standing prospects for advancement in his profession. Uh, for great mental anguish, for humiliation, anxiety, severe emotional distress, exposure to public. I mean, this whole page goes on about what he is suffering. Um, and and just from a post, which we went ahead and removed as per the temporary restraining order that he served us as well, mentioning that he wanted us to remove that, uh, that post. Again, we are of the understanding that we were just asking questions as to a business that belonged to the state representative which is a public figure right so we're not we're not too sure as to why this went overboard but um, we, we, we can uh, I guess uh, speculate that since we have been speaking uh, about the truth and about what's going on here in Maverick County what's going on in, in commissioners court what's going on with the city of Eagle Pass, and what's going on at, at the at the at the district at the district seventy four uh, level, the state representative? Uh, we feel that this is just a tactic to you know bind us up in legal in litigation. What he wants to do is, is literally silence you. Is what he wants to do. Absolutely, that, that's what it feels like. Uh, you know, and and we've just recently been getting uh, threats as well. From faith, from Facebook comments to messengers to people telling us not to talk the way we do, from people telling us. Now, I, I, I strongly feel that that you know that's coming from a certain direction. Uh, we have people trying to tell us that we belong to some kind of political group here, which is you know couldn't be farthest from the truth. But now we're getting messages, uh, threats, and we're also getting threats through comments. On, on Facebook about what we've been posting this whole time and none of this has been an issue since February when, when we first started this uh, rising Texan news media yep let me um, let me because uh, we're running out of time here but let me let me uh, make a couple of comments and then let you uh, conclude it here um, what we see here it appears to be is again a citizen journalist a private individual who is uh, making uh, comments asking public questions about a public fi- figure. Now, my understanding is that public figures uh, cannot sue for defamation because they're elected figure, elected officials. You know, and um, as long as uh, as long as you're not accusing them of something outrageous, you can you know you can ask questions. So I don't really understand what um, what the problem is. The second thing is the complete lack of support by the local media, uh, by the local mainstream media, the newspaper, for example, uh, it, 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 that is outrageous itself because, um, because uh, the, the news media is supposed to be uh, the watchdog of the people in a, uh, in a free society. And here, clearly, uh, they're, not, uh, they're not even bothering to, um, to ask questions. Can you give us a conclusion about where you're going with this thing now? Well, I, I mean, like I said, we're trying to, we're reaching out to attorneys to, to help us out here. There's been several that have stepped forward and are willing to to uh, pose some kind of assistance for us. 
But uh, right now, like I said, we're just barely starting it. We're a couple of months into doing our citizen journalist uh, thing where we saw there's enough uh, out there for us, you know, that people want to know the truth. So we're going to try to continue and, and fight for, for that, to have the truth and to have uh, everything out there so people, whenever they do go and, and elect uh, or vote, they elect uh, officials that they know the whole story about. Uh, I mean, we're not about uh, trying to convince people on who to vote for. We're trying to provide the people with all the information so they can make the educated uh, vote themselves. So, uh, I mean, we're just here trying to fight uh, along along with this, and we appreciate those that have donated to our GoFundMe group. We do have a GoFundMe right now. Tell the um, folks where they can where, where they can where they can uh, send your their donations. Yeah, we have a GoFundMe page. Uh, we have it attached to our Facebook page, which is uh, TRT News Media. TRT News Media, and that stands for the Rising Texan News Media. If you can uh, get get out to us and help us with with that, we do have a GoFund uh, GoFundMe page, and it's strictly set up for for legal services. I want to thank y'all that that have uh, you know already donated. Uh, thank you very much for that. But we're here to fight. I mean, uh, what one attorney told us it's it's we have two options here: either we pack it up and stop doing what we're doing, or we fight for what we feel is right—the freedom of speech, uh, our First Amendment—and that's what we're just trying to do here. You got it. Folks, we've been talking with our good friend Isaac Reese from Eagle Pass. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KAUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we've got... uh, a, uh, a guest, she's been on before, I believe, uh, and she is a, a an Alamo activist here in San Antonio. I wanted to reach out to her because uh, not only is she an Alamo activist, she is a, an actual descendant of one of the Alamo defenders, and she's been very, very active in preserving uh, our uh, Texas history, the Alamo's history, the Alamo itself. And uh, now we've got a new controversy from some of the snowflakes out at uh, University of Texas San Antonio. And uh, I wanted to welcome Charisma and ask her, Charisma Villarreal, and I want her to explain to us what the heck is this controversy about. Charisma, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. I hear that these folks, or, or that a professor out there at uh, UTSA, uh, has been offended or taken offense to a very, very prominent Texas slogan of come and take it. In fact, I have a flag on my front yard that says come and take it. Right, right. Yes, well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, as a uh, also as a UTSA alumni, I am just flabbergasted about this. Um, there is a professor at UTSA who has found the come and take it slogan for the UTSA football team, uh, you know, come and take it as offensive. Um, and she has taken it upon herself to start a petition to have that sign taken down. And uh, I was actually at the university today because I wanted to see it for myself, um, you know, and, and uh, it's a grand sign when you walk into the athletic complex. Uh, but there next to it is a sensitivity sign that the president of the university has put up there explaining, you know, why the sign is there, the history of why they chose it. So, you know, it's just a little, uh, just a little much of what, what people uh, are taking offense to these days. And so, um, you Give know, us- we're glad. We're glad that they're not taking it down, but the fact that they had to put up a sensitivity sign to go with it just kind of speaks volumes. Tell us about the slogan. What is the history of the come and take it slogan? So, um, you know, for your listeners, and and as you know, the come and take it sign or come and take it slogan is from Gonzales, Texas. And, um, you know, the people of Gonzales had a cannon to defend themselves given to them um, at the time by the Mexican government because they were all Mexicans at the time. Uh, But then Santa Ana said, you know what, I want my cannon back. And they said, well, you know, wait a minute, how are we going to defend ourselves? 
come and take it. And so they weren't about to give up their only source of protection against these uh, raiding Indians. And so, you know, that's, that's where the slogan is. It, it's, you know, their determination, uh, their right to defend themselves. And so, yeah, they weren't going to let the government take their their only um, form of, of uh Defense And so when UTSA, and, and I'm an alumni, um, you know, we had always wanted a football team. Well, we, we got a football team. And then they decided to take that battle cry as their, um, I believe it's their halftime, um, uh, or no, I'm sorry, their fourth quarter rallying cry. Um, and so, uh, you know, alumni love it, students love it, the football team loves it. But, you know, there's a professor out there who thinks it's, uh, historical context is uh, very racist uh, against the Mexican-American community. So, uh, and they also feel like it's associated with some political movement uh, that has a perceived controversial political point of view. Um, so we're, you know, the president of the university is keeping the sign, but again, like I said, there's a sensitivity sign that goes along with it, and um, so, you know, we just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. You know, let me let me ask you this, because you bring up a very, very interesting point that keeps being repeated uh, by the left, by the liberals, by the left right now, and that is this issue of Texas history being racist. Now, here, right. your name is Villarreal, my name is Rodriguez, um, I I am not offended by in any form or fashion by the slogan. Uh, on the contrary, I am very very happy. I live in Texas as opposed to live in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, I, what What are your thoughts? I mean, how is this racist? Uh, you know, I just I don't understand. I think it's just people wanting to be offended, and they look for something to be offended. <laughs> you know, and they don't know the true history of what that means. And, um, you know, it, it's just, you know, as a Latina, also, I do not find offense to that. Um, my Alamo Defender ancestor, I am positive, did not have slaves, nor was he <laughs> fighting for slaves. Um you know, so for people to say that the Mexican-American community believes that it has racist origins, I don't get it. I honestly just don't understand it. Um, you know, so I'm tired of other people being offended for me because I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. Yes. So, and, um, and, and this issue of redefining, I mean, this is something that you've been fighting for. Uh, personally right now, is this whole issue of redefining, or as they put it, reimagining the Alamo. Talk to us about that. Well, yeah, so, you know, they want to reimagine the Alamo, and and sadly, some of the Alamo Citizens Advisory Committee are on board with this whole woke Alamo uh, reimagination plan. I know for a fact there are a few people on the Alamo Citizens Advisory Committee that do not want this woke uh, Alamo and they are and they are fighting but but the numbers are really against them and uh, they've been having these meetings on you know uh, uh, topics other than the Battle of 1836 and they want to know how slavery was involved and they want to know how you know the colonization of the Alamo and you know and everybody knows that the Alamo is the number one tourist uh, spot in Texas not San Antonio but Texas but they feel like they need to tell a bigger story. Um, you know, we have five missions in San Antonio. They can tell those mission stories at the four other missions. People come to the Alamo for the fight. You know, they want to know what happened here on those 13 days, um, you know, and they're trying to push this thing of, you know, the slavery at, at the Alamo when, uh, you know, there were three known uh, black citizens that fought at the Alamo. And uh, so, you know, surely they weren't fighting for slavery. Um, You know, did it happen? Yes, it happened in Texas. But that wasn't the fight for the Alamo. It wasn't in the Declaration of Independence uh, uh, for Texas. And it it just, uh, you know, even uh, one of the, um, 
advisors to the Alamo Trust and the Alamo Citizens Advisory Committee, uh, Dr. Carrie Lattimore, uh, has said that slavery was not one of the key issues in the fight at the Alamo or for Texas independence. So, um, you know, was it there? Was it a part of it? Yeah, there was there was some, some slavery in Texas. You know, we, we can't deny that, but it wasn't the main issue or the key issue. So, you know, we have to, we're fighting to, 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 to tell that story. You know, right now uh, they wanted to, to tell this story of, of uh, you know, Texas is bad, and, you know, it was just white supremacy. And, you know, when I look at my Tejano ancestor, I know that that's not true. The uh, This issue of uh, a petition uh, that this professor, maybe what we ought, what we needed to do is, is start our own petition to get psychiatric help for somebody who, who feels inferior or insecure. You know. Absolutely. I mean, these tenured uh, professors just feel like, oh, well, you know, I can just say whatever I want and, you know, I don't have to worry about my job security. But, you know, what they're filling these kids' heads with uh, is just absolutely ridiculous. So, um, you know, I read a, an article just today, uh, you know, there so many of these universities are trying to push crit- critical race theory when, uh, you know, slavery didn't start in 1619. Slavery has been around for thousands of years, you know, so I, I don't understand why they, they need to push that agenda. Well, you know, again, it's this, uh, I, I believe very, very strongly that the civil rights movement has turned into a, a revenge movement rather than, Absolutely. you know, rather than, than trying to find justice. Uh, Charisma, is there anything else that's happening re- that's going to happen soon that uh, people should know about as far as, uh, you know, to support uh, the Alamo? Um, I mean, right now there's there's a book out that's really pushing that, uh, you know, uh, pushing that whole slavery issue at the Alamo. Um, we need to get people educated on the facts um, because the left, they will arm themselves with mistruth and false history. Um, so there is a website that people can go to that they can brush up on their Texas history. It's called uh, www.1836truth.com. Um, it, it has facts in there, um, you know, where people can speak intelligently and knowledgeably on those facts. Um, you know, because sometimes... Uh, conservatives just don't have the facts, and so it's easy for them to say, well, oh, that's not true, but then not back it up with fact. You go to that website, it has a lot of facts. Um, but yeah, it's just arming yourself with the truth um, and and being able to speak against what these people are trying to put out against the Alamo, for sure. Um, and also, we're also trying to stop the, uh, the dumping of uh, human uh, cremated remains at the Alamo. Um, so right now we're trying to fight that as well. Um, you know, just anybody can go dump their their relatives, loved ones' uh, ashes at the Alamo. And so, you know, that came under um, George P. Bush's reign, and we're trying to get that reversed right now. So that's another thing we're working on. <laughs> <laughs> They've turned the Alamo into an ashtray. Oh my god! Absolutely, yeah, Incredible. yeah. They Incredible. don't they don't know how much they, that'll uh, that'll add up after a few years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, liberals always have good ideas. You know, the the the, the way to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, Charisma. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. We've been speaking with our good friend Charisma Villarreal, a uh, uh, an Alamo activist here in San Antonio, telling us about the latest effort to rewrite history in San Antonio. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. (laughs) 
Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, a uh, good friend of ours who's been on before. He is the county uh, judge for Kenny County in uh, southwest Texas. Uh, In Texas, the county judge is like the county executive, for those of you listeners that are outside of Texas. And uh, we've got Mr. Uh, Tully Shahan. And I wanted to reach out to him and uh, chat with him because they are seeing an additional tragedy beyond the car chases, beyond the COVID infections, beyond the other issues that we are seeing because of the border, because of the open border. Judge, thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, what is happening? What are these new tragedies that you are encountering? Uh, George, uh, here in Kenny County, we're, of course, a semi-arid part of West Texas and kind of at the break from um, arid to non-arid, I guess. But we're seeing more and more deaths in these in our ranch areas. Since this May, we have had 12 uh, walker-throughs that have come through here that have died. Now, you know, for, there's all kinds of different reasons for that's happening, but it's happening and it's more than usual. Now, when, uh, now we're talking we're talking about illegal aliens that are just walking through or that are that are yes, you know, coming these through. Are Ill- yeah, they're illegal aliens that's coming through Kenny County uh, on foot, and uh, they come through with groups. They come through in two or three at a time. Uh, they may come through solo, but uh, since May, we've had an in, a, an increase of, tw- well, we've had 12 since May. We, George, in, in years past, uh, when we had good uh, uh, border security for our borders in Texas, we may have one or two or someone, one of them might go to sleep on the railroad track and get injured and things of that nature but uh this is uh and I, I my my definition of who they are they're burdened they're biden's bodies and uh he is responsible for all this and this in his administration for allowing us uh, our united states to be put in this position and uh it's a shame of course uh, there's nothing we can say to embarrass him to to change uh, but uh, it's that these people leave home uh, coming to America for that American dream. It's like I grew up here in America with an American dream. And, and these people come here to live that and seek that lifestyle that they've heard about all their lives. And they lose their lives uh, trying, <clears throat> trying to avoid coming into the United States. And, and um, but we've, it costs our counties more money. We have more autopsies. We have more. You know, the, uh, two, the, the, two, the last two that I met that, uh, <clears throat> that I did an inquest on yesterday and today, uh, the, uh, the telephone reception was awful. Uh, you had to go to a certain spot where these people were laying in the pastures and uh to get telephone reception of course it's 98 degrees 99 here today uh if you don't bring water with you or carry it with you you're 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 gonna lose out and uh it's just it's one of these things that's uh it's so sad it's happening incredible we have heard in the past from other counties uh down towards the rio grande valley um, where they would have instant instances like this or incidents like this. However, uh, it seems like because of the volume of people, uh, we're seeing one. Now, what do you do with the bodies? What happens, you know, are they identified? Are they, um, you oh, know, yes. what, what can so, you do you with know, them? We, well, most of these, uh, George, we're making sure that we have an autopsy to, to uh, figure out how and the cause of death. Uh, then we turn them over to the uh, uh, to the uh, funeral home. Funeral home. Then uh, they will try to contact through the U.S. Consul's office in Delray or Eagle Pass. 
to try to find where they came from. Most of them usually have identification on them. They'll have a they'll have a card that allows them to vote to, that identifies them and the city they're from. So, and, and, you know, it, uh, as as soon as possible, they will contact the U.S. Council, the excuse me, the Mexican consulate, and uh, they will contact the families, and then they will come and pick them up and take them home if we don't if we can't find an identification we we never find that out then uh, they are buried here in Kenny County and that's that's also another uh, cost to the taxpayers for these indigent burials that we have and uh, it's um, it's you know this this fiasco is continuing to accelerate and get worse and worse and it's sad that We've got these these people losing their lives and seeking freedom uh, uh, through the method they're trying to, to get here. The um, uh, the sheriff of Hudspeth County, which is which is just west of you, uh, right. when I spoke to him a few a few months ago, he was running out of body bags already. Are you guys are are you guys looking seeing a uh, a similar situation? I mean that's very morbid, but that that's a fact. I mean he was running out of body bags. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know what's I don't know how many bodies they're finding in Valverde, Maverick County, Uvalde County. You know we well I I I would be confident in saying that I don't think we found them all. I mean there you know we find every now and then there will be bodies found on these large ranches around our area uh that's the you know it's just skin and bones wow uh, because they they have been they've deteriorated for so long varmints have carried uh their body parts off and and uh uh you know it's uh, with with the heat uh with uh, uh covid-19 and uh, we had one man who passed away and had a broken ankle and he was snuggled up underneath a, a big shade tree, but uh, had no more water in his bottle, and his telephone had no charge in it. And where he was, he could not get telephone reception because of the remoteness of where he was. He was down in the deep canyon, and and uh, <laughs> he just didn't have telephone reception. But uh, I'm hope I'm hoping and praying that that you know this this demand for body bags will. Will, will diminish. Yeah. Uh, so, again, uh, this whole situation has accelerated because, well, there's no other way to put it. We have the Biden administration has encouraged uh, illegal immigration, and these folks are coming in illegally and hiding, and um, they're doing a real good job of it. Unfortunately, when they have an accident uh, or if an emergency comes up, there's no one around to help them, correct? Yeah. Yes, and these these cartels that are running these people through here. I mean, uh, there's what will happen is these leaders will lead these groups through here. Uh, they'll get them to where they're going, and they'll just they'll talk. They'll uh, drive or be transported back to Mexico, pick up another group, and bring them the same way. We have ranches here that's got game cameras that have the same leader. Uh, photographed four, five, six times wow. of him bringing bringing separate groups through, but he's the, it's the same it's the same party leading them because once they find their path, once they find the path course of least resistance, then and uh, they can come through here and and you know they walk them all day and night. I mean, that, it's, of course, we've got a lot of moonlight now. And, and uh, they can, they'll come. They'll, they're, I'm sure they're coming every night. Amazing, and uh, and and the tragedies could be even worse because uh, wasn't it in your county where they found the little girls, uh, where a rancher found some little girls um, that had been abandoned? I think that was in Maverick County. Oh, okay. uh, that was down on the Rio Grande near Camada, mm-hmm. and uh, I think uh, it, uh, that was uh, right across the, our county line in Maverick County. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, real quick here at the end, um, again, what would you suggest if you if you had the power? What would you suggest? What would you do? What would I do? Yep. <laughs> well, first thing I do is. I would I would go back to the same policies when we had no 
immigration problem. And uh, that would be the policy of, of uh, our past President Trump. It worked. I mean, it, yes, it was a Republican decision, but it worked. And he didn't have this uh, fiasco that we're in right now. He didn't have... You didn't. Have, you had the border patrol helping everybody. Then now they can't do anything. Yep. They can't go out and pick up people because they're they're too inundated with doing uh, humanitarian work. And our, our you know our sheriff's departments, our the deputy sheriffs, our city police, they, we wouldn't be burdened with all this. And it, you know, it's we're putting our lives and our our citizens' lives in jeopardy for people that have no more uh, right to be here than uh, than anything. And it's just uh, it's a travesty. Yep, that's true. I mean, you are, the costs to your county uh, are immense because of the manpower, because of the equipment, because of the health and everything else that's coming with it. Incredible. I take yes, my head off. <laughs> uh, George, one little item. Governor Abbott asked the counties across, across Texas on the border to submit a cost of what it would take for us to get up and running and to to meet the demand. Kenny County, we have 3,600 people here. We're a small county. We're a large county area-wise, a little over 800,000 acres. But uh, uh, we don't have a lot of people. But our, our request to to the state legislature was over $5 million just to get us back where we were supposed to be and and to meet to meet the onslaught of these people coming through. And so, I mean, that's, I mean, we're, we're a small county. Other counties Amazing. have more people, more deputies, more, uh, more uh, uh, magistrates. I mean, it's, it's just... Uh, it's, it's inundating just, you. It's sinking you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You, you wake up every morning with a pit in your stomach. Oh gosh, it, it, you know, this is this is a new America. It's really really sad. Tully, thank you very much for taking time to be with us this afternoon, and uh, yes. to chat with us and tell us what's going on, folks. We've been talking with our good friend, uh, County Judge Tully uh, Shahan from uh, Kenny County, Texas. Uh, stay strong, and uh, our prayers are with you and the whole county. Thank you, sir. Once again, my we'll friends, take- go ahead. I'm sorry. We'll take them. <laughs> yes, we, we we desperately need them at this point. Thank you, you again. You bet. Thank you, sir. Once Bye-bye. again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.